Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys. Welcome back. Mitchell Port Unleash Podcast. And we have a very special guest all the way from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She's an actress, writer, producer, Miss Rebecca Mishkin. How's it going? <laughs> it's going great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How is uh, the current climate in uh, Toronto going on right now? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, certainly the pandemic has shifted everything for everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but here it's been pretty well handled. I think there have definitely been some missteps, but our numbers are sort of slowly going down. So life is kind of starting to get back to normal. But every day of this pandemic, I'm like, Maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and it'll be less weird. And then it's still weird. <laughs> I know, every day. I know, I know. And I feel like with a lot of the audience that's all over the world, you know, how are you going to be celebrating Canada Day? Oh, man. I am having dinner with my dad. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he, he invited me over for a barbecue. So we're going to hang out outside, socially distanced. Um, but no, no big plans. What about you? Uh, nothing planned right now, but just probably more work, more creating, you know, because you're a creator yourself too, you know, so that's the joys of, of what we do, you know, as you're being an actress, writer, producer and things and, you know, me having a podcast and things like that. So it's a good way to collaborate and be able to bring on, you know, guests and connect all over the world and all that good stuff. So exciting. So tell the audience and the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you got involved into filmmaking. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I'm Toronto born and raised. I grew up in this city, which I'm sure you can tell because I just dropped the, the second T, <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> um, classic, classic. Um, so yeah, and I, I actually started out as a professional dancer. I started dancing when I was like three or four. I begged my parents to enroll me in pre-primary ballet. And, and from there, when I was, I think I was about 13 or 14 when I got my first agent. And the reason I got an agent was really just to get dance gigs. Um, and then around the same age, I, I took an acting workshop and, and I got the bug, as they say, or that classic, like, just fell in love um, as soon as I really had exposure to acting. And it just kind of grew from there. I kept professionally dancing, but I actually tore um, 70% of my ACL ligament in my knee um, while I was rehearsing for a big show around, I think I was 18 or 19. And so that was kind of the end of my professional dance career. But that was sort of okay because, and I still dance. I still dance just for exercise and mm -hmm. to work out, you know, just for fun. But, um, but yeah, since that injury, not quite on the professional level, but that was okay because acting had sort of already really taken hold and kind of taken the top spot as my first love. And then as I kind of grew up and, and delved more into it, I got into filmmaking because I realized that at the heart of my love of acting was really a love of storytelling. Um, and I think that that's kind of the wonderful thing about acting is when you get to play a character, you know, the best stories always come from character. The greatest conflict, um, the most exciting adventures, they're all driven when you think about television and movies and theater even, it's all driven by the characters. And so I think there's kind of a real connection there between filmmaking and acting, you know? No, oh, totally, totally. The whole ACL, the ACL thing, sorry, is, is, is quite terrifying because I feel like the ACL is especially as me as a trainer, the ACL is something that's so, it seems like it's so easy to tear now. You can do like the littlest thing and, and whatnot. So that's kind of, you know, it's unfortunate that, that, that you had to go through that, but you still are active. You're still doing what you need to do and, and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the crazy thing about the, I got so lucky because when I injured it, it used to be that they would immediately do surgery on it if it was, I think more than like, like mine was 70% torn. I think they would always do surgery in previous years, mm -hmm. but I got lucky because when it happened, they'd sort of decided not to do surgery on it, or at least not immediately that they would put you through some rehabilitation and physio before uh, resorting to surgery. And I'm so thankful because most people that had surgery on their, on their ACL, um, they just never fully recover. Like the injury itself that like, is done by the surgery is problematic, I think. So I, I worked really hard in physio to, to recover, but I did, I mean, um, almost fully, like it rarely bothers me now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Most important yeah. thing. But now you are, you know, doing all the right things as, as a writer, producer, and, a, and an actress, which, which mm -hmm. comes into my next question. You created the series Night Owl. What's the series all about? Oh man. Yeah. So, um, I actually made the series. It was my master's thesis project, if you can believe it. So I did a, um, a one-year master's at Ryerson university. Um, and my plan while I was doing my master's in media production was basically just to write, was just to write scripts while I was there. 
And then I got there and, and I was like, man, this is such an opportunity. There's incredible camera equipment. Um, and I got to make something. And I had had this idea uh, for a show that was based on my time uh, when I first moved to LA. And when I moved there, I was super young and I didn't really know anyone. And I was there for work. Um, but yeah, I was, I was super lonely and I was living by myself in this like tiny studio apartment. And I guess just as a result of being totally bored and anxious, I couldn't sleep. And I would just want to go for a walk to like clear my head, but you can't really just go for a walk as like a young woman in the middle of LA <laughs> at like one or two or three in the morning. So I'd get in my car and I'd drive to the 24 hour grocery store that was close to my house, basically just like walk around in a safe place, like maybe grab a snack, whatever. And I started to see the same people at the store. Um, there was like this security guard there all the time who would make fun of how often I came in and this cashier who was putting herself through school, working the graveyard shift and we became friends. And so that's uh, the story of Night Owl, basically. It's about a 24-hour grocery store in the middle of the night and the sort of weird nighttime events that go on and the staff at the store and um, and how fascinating all of their stories are. But it's a comedy, ultimately, um, and just a super simple, low-concept comedy that I felt like, because it's so simple, sometimes simplicity is the best thing, especially when it comes to comedy, um, but especially, I think, in a short format. So... Uh, we made the show and then we were like, man, or what do we do with this web series? Like, where does it live and how do we get it out there? And so we started to submit it to some film festivals and uh, we got into South by Southwest. I'm just going to take a sip of water here. It's totally fine. It's all good. You got to stay hydrated when we're, when we're, when we're talking. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it got into South by Southwest and had its world premiere there. And that was in 2018. And then we did um, a year and a half festival run after that. And it got into a number of other film festivals and we got some really good reviews and a lot of our screenings or, or both our screenings at South by actually sold out, which was so, so cool. And so beyond my expectations. And then um, I was like, man, how do I put this out into the world? Like I want to release it publicly, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. And so seeing as how the show is all about a 24 hour grocery store and the staff that worked the graveyard shift, I was like, you know, I'm just going to dedicate this show to the unsung heroes of our current time, you know? Grocery store workers everywhere have just held us down through it all. Of like course. the pandemic yeah. and the fight for justice and the police brutality and everything that's been happening lately. They've just been continuing to like wipe down carts and offer us hand sanitizer and just kept working to try and keep life normal for us. And um and so in lieu of that and in lieu of how much I was supported by my community here in Toronto to make the series. I was like, you know, I'm just going to donate 100% of the profit that Night Owl makes to um, three different nonprofit organizations who are all doing like really, really amazing work in, in our communities. And um, so the organizations that Night Owl is raising money for, uh, one is called the Neighborhood Food Hub, and I would encourage anyone listening to check them out. They do really incredible work um, getting fresh food to people that need it. Um, and another organization called BIPOC Film and TV. Um, and they're really doing amazing work, really incredible work to support diversity um, within the film and television industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the last organization is called Pathways to Education. And so they, again, 
just really do amazing work. I don't want to sound too preachy, but if no, anybody, no, you're not. You're, you're, I think it's, I think it's well respected. I think it's well respected what you're saying. Like, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, Pathways to to Education is an organization that does does excuse me, <laughs> gaffing um, that does really, really incredible work, and they they support kids from low income communities. Um, on their journey toward education and higher education. And, and I just think that that's so cool. So um, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, what's interesting is the response has just been overwhelming. Like I've been blown away by how well received Night Owl has been. And so we partnered with Vimeo's VHX platform to put it out. Um, I'll send you a link so that any, any listeners can, can watch the show. Um, But the last kind of important thing to know is that it's pay what you can. So um, so I just wanted to make sure that the show was accessible to anybody that wanted to watch it, even those that may not have extra funds lying around right now, because it's a really tough time mm. um, for a lot of people financially. But also, if you are able to contribute, you know, you can contribute as much as you like to these three really great causes. And um, yeah, the response has been so overwhelming, Rory. Like, it, it's been amazing. I'm so touched and moved by the people that have reached out to me um, to give me feedback on the series and tell me that they enjoyed it or that it made them laugh. And that's, that's really all I want is like, if in some way this show can brighten someone's day and make them laugh, even because they make fun of how bad they think it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good with me. And if we can raise some dollars for some really, really great causes that are really helping our communities um, in a very grassroots way, then it's just even better, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Where, uh, what was the location? Where did you shoot the the, the, the this uh, series? Oh man, I love to brag about the location. So for anyone who is Toronto local or who is listening to this and planning on coming to Toronto, we shot Night Owl at one of the coolest grocery stores in the whole city. It's called Fiesta Farms, and it's right at Christie and Bluer, just a little bit north of Bluer on Christie. Okay. And um, it's an independently owned grocery store, and they are just amazing. I mean, shopping there is so cool. Like, if they don't have something that you want and you find uh, their manager, you just tell them, like, hey, I want cherry Coca-Cola, and yeah, I can't find it on the shelves. He's like, cool, I'll have it ordered. It'll be here by next week. So they're just the best, and um, and we're so supportive of us shooting Night Owl there. We had to shoot nights. We actually shot it in the middle of the night, which is funny because the show itself takes place in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did that so that we didn't have to, like, interrupt their regular store hours. No, no, it totally makes sense. So... What so maybe this is maybe this could be an exclusive here for the show for the Mitchell Ford Unleashed is uh, are we going to be seeing um, another another series come out are we going to go like series two series three so on mm-hmm. or or is you thinking maybe that was like a one time thing I mean I, I don't I definitely don't think it's a one time thing there's endless possibilities in terms of where the show could go and I think really the audience response will dictate. Um, whether we do seasons two or three or beyond, um, or potentially turn it into a half hour series. And so far, I mean, it's really, it's really quite something because when you're a creator, you know, you, you, you make something and you, you hope and pray that it's going to connect with people and that they're going to get it. But, you know, it's so hard to tell when you're actually in the nitty gritty, like you're in the thick of it and you're like, man, like, is this going to work? I hope so. Are people going to like it? Are they going to think it's good? 
So to have, you know, to only be out for a couple of days and have received the response that we received is just so cool. Like I'm, I'm very humbled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, you know what, the only criticism that I've received so far is from a few people who've been like, what are you doing? Like, why the hell would you donate 100% of your profits? Like, that seems so crazy. Like, why are you doing that? And, which is not the criticism that I expected to receive. I thought I would just receive criticism about people saying they hated the show or like getting trolled by the internet or some such way. Um, but, but uh, I mean, my response to that is really just that, like, I don't think anybody that makes a web series sets out for it to be like their get rich quick scheme or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like that's not why you make it. Um, and, and, you know, of course we, we, we want to break even and, 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 and make our money back and stuff. And, and, but in terms of actually turning a profit, you know, I, I think it's way more important just at this moment when things seem to have hit a fever pitch in the world in terms of a lot of changes that we need to make. And, um, and it just, it just felt like the only right way to put it out, you know, because the only reason I was able to make it is because of the privilege of having that kind of support from Ryerson University, from the community of people that supported me, you know, because any, any, any filmmaker, any creator that's at the helm of a project, I'm sure would agree with me, you know, it takes a village. Like there is, you never, ever, ever make a film or a show, um, as a one man band, you exactly. know, it's always a collaborative effort and you're only as strong as your weakest link. So absolutely, I think that's, yeah, that's really why it was important to me to just be like, you know, I'm, I'm sure making money would be great, but guess what? It's not the most important thing right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is like healing the world in whatever ways we can. And in order for me to like remain optimistic about the direction that we're going in, it was time for me to kind of step up, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that with you too, you know, as somebody that we're both creators and we were saying this before we even hit record and things like that is I noticed that I think a lot of, a lot of our people that view our, our content, right. They, Mm -hmm. they have the philosophy that, oh, we're making, you know, money hand over fist and that, you know, (laughs) it's all about this and it's all about that. But something that I can take from you is that you created a project that you're, you gave away all your proceeds to, and there's nothing wrong with that. It shows uh, the quality of the person. And I think that's the character and, and something that a lot of people can resonate with, you know, um, in, in that are, that's viewing the, the, the short film, the short series there, you know, they have the, the, the ability to really connect and say, Hey, look, listen, she's just not into it for the money. She's actually into it for the right reasons, you know, giving the content and people can view it because the money's going to come later. I'm pretty sure you're going to get, you know, if you if you look at how you manifest things, you know Hollywood might come knocking on your door, and you know you get that's when you get that that big check coming to you. You know, exactly. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things just in response to what you were saying. Um, yeah, it's a. I mean, the first thing is really I, I I would love to take credit and say it makes me a good person, but really it did just feel like it was the right it was the right mm, thing to do. Mm. But you know, and to my anybody listening that was caster crew on Night Owl. It is a hundred percent of profit, not proceeds. So you, so we do have like, you know, musicians that we were able to afford to put their music in the show because of deferrals. So we still will, we still will um, break even and make sure that everybody gets paid. I yeah. promise. Yeah, of course. No, I get <laughs> um, it. <laughs> I, no, I swear, I swear to all cast and crew, anybody that had a deferral, you will get paid. Um, 
but, but once we do kind of make back that money, yeah, it's just it, exactly what you said, right? It's, it's about, you know, right now, Hey, and I, making money is super important. We've all got to be able to eat and support ourselves and put a roof over our heads. It is not nothing to be stopped at, but I also just think that, um, you know, giving back isn't just about like, obviously there's different skills that you can go about that. You know, someone like Bill Gates, you know, is able to donate on a scale and size that's like surreal i think to a lot of us because i think the notion of being a billionaire is surreal yeah. um but it's not just the bill gates's of the world or the warren buffett's that are that are contributing to these great causes it's also like every single dollar counts you know so the individual person who's paying you know six bucks to watch night owl or whatever those numbers add up and i think the more of us that kind of take that ownership over what we can do to give back and how we can actually affect positive change is pretty important. Um, and this just felt like the best way that I could do, uh, that I could do that, um, on a little bit of a larger scale, but while also offering something, um, to people, um, you know, so, so it just, it just felt like the, the, the best thing that I could do beyond just kind of like donating to causes that I think are great individually. I was like, you know, I can kind of like rally the power of, of my collective community to hopefully give back a little bit. And so far it's really worked out so well. So, um, but you know, also I, I think that, uh, anything that makes us laugh right now is super valuable. Exactly. So 100%. I hope show, yeah. I hope the show makes people laugh. Okay, no, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely going to plug into it, you know, because I think that I'm always that firm belief person, especially just, again, being a podcaster, bringing you onto the show, being thankful, you know, that you, you, you can share the space to, to be able to spread your message and things like that is I always support and support is free, you know, and I, and I always tell people that, that you, to, to go purchase, if it's $5, $6, hey, you could be spending that money on maybe you know, a slice of pizza and a pop or something like that, just per se, you know, but put it back into the creator's hands and be like, hey, like, listen, I support what they got going on and, and definitely I'll be for sure looking to check it out. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply see what the 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 funny moments that are shared on night owl there you know yeah thank you so much um yeah and i, and I do think like it's been a it's been a dark time for a lot of people myself yep. included i think it's it's just so weird when everybody's scared and people are getting sick and there's this like weird disease that you could get and have nothing happen to you or you could get it and be sick for months or you could get it and die it's like it's so weird and it's so crazy and so I think that anything that kind of brightens people's days, even just the tiniest little bit is kind of a great thing right now. And, and, you know, like, I, I think like, it, maybe this sounds really cliche, but like a lot of other creators out there, you know, I, I hope that I can tell stories that help to change the world. And that's why I got into this, but, you know, at the same time, I think we can do that in a number of ways. And I'm satisfied with, you know, even that tiny impact of just making someone smile one more time than they might have that day. Um, that's, that's enough for me. And, and, and I think that, uh, that it just, it, it takes a whole lot of like little things add up really quickly. You know, it's all about the little things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you uh, tap into getting the best cast for the series? Oh man. So our cast is so incredible in this show. And one of the coolest um, advantages, I suppose you could say, to being a creator that's also an actor is that a lot of my friends are actors <laughs> and a lot of them are really, really talented. And we just got so lucky. So I'd, I'd love to take all the credit, but the truth really is that we just lucked out in terms of um, our cast because they exceeded expectations on every level. So um, a couple of names that people might recognize that star in the series. So Jesse Camacho, um, also a Canadian actor who is, um, has a, a series regular part on Lock and Key. Yeah. If anybody watched Lock and Key on Netflix. I haven't got uh, a chance to watch it yet, but you know, Jesse Camacho actually was on the podcast episode, uh, 212 and we had a, a no, good nice. little conversation there. Very respectable, respectable. I can't speak respectable, um, gentlemen. You know that that I see going in the right direction has a lot of high, huge upside to really you yeah. know in his in his career as far as acting and things. Oh man, Jesse, he's also just one of the funniest guys. He's he's absolutely hilarious, mm. um, and and he's so so funny in the show, and he's an incredibly talented improviser as well. As are all the actors who um, who are in the series. So as well. Um, Diva Johnston, who plays Mel in the show, a super, super talented actress and also creator in her own right, um, an incredible improviser. Uh, we did a lot of improvising on the set. 
as well as Jordan Duarte, who plays the role of Stock Boy, um, who's another hilarious character, Gabe Gray, uh, who plays Dr. Connor, um, Marsha Bennett, uh, who plays Sheila, who's also just a very prolific actress um, that has been in over 60, I think, over 60 titles, over 60 films and, and TV shows. And she's just an unbelievable force. Um, so, so we really, really lucked out in terms of our, in terms of our cast. I, I just, I, I'm so grateful. Also, Katie Boland is another really amazing person who's in a couple of episodes, just incredibly talented, talented actress and creator, um, as well as Tara Joshi. Again, like I just, when I go through this list of names, I'm so blown away by their talent and generosity because yeah, they, they really helped me out for, for very little in return. Um, so they're also good. Konima Parkinson Jones. There's some really incredible actors in the series. So um, mm-hmm. for anybody that might be fans of any of those people. I see that. I see that. Know. And you, and you give the, you give the proper thank yous, <laughs> you know, you don't take yeah. all the credit and whatnot, but that's good though. Very well oh, respectful oh, on yourself. I can't take credit. Oh, uh, and wait, I did. I skirted your question to answer your question about how we went about casting. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> in some cases, I I just knew, like in the case of Jesse Camacho, actually, uh, he plays the role of Carlos in the show, um, security guard Carlos, and I just knew he was right for the part. And so I, he did not audition or anything. I just asked him, "Hey, like, would you would you consider doing this?" And I kind of wrote it and tailored the role very much to him. Um, and then with a couple of other cast members, like in the case of Gabe Gray, who also plays one of the lead characters, um, he he auditioned for us and he really just he really just kicked ass. Like he blew us away. Um, and and he just was the part. Um, same with Jordan Duarte. He funny story about him, he actually he did a self-tape. Um, he did a self-tape audition for the role of the doctor. Um, and when I watched the tape, I was like, you know, he's not right for the part of the doctor, but he is perfect for this other series regular role. And so I just cast him off the tape and lo and behold, he was. So I think a lot of casting really comes down to gut instinct for sure. Um, but also in my case, I just got very lucky because I know so many talented people that were willing to, to do me a favor. That's good. No, but that's good. That's good. You give yourself a pat on the back for that, you know, because you just, you don't, you don't know. Night Owl, Night Owl could, Night Owl could be something bigger coming, you know, for 20, 2021, 2022 and so on, you know, you just yeah, have to... and I, think, I think really like the lesson of, for me, like what I learned from casting that show is that really like you're only as strong as your friendships exactly. and your relationships, you know? And I think that that, that applies certainly in my profession very much so. Um, and in my industry for sure. But I think that applies kind of more, more broadly, like we're really only as strong as the people who surround us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. No, totally. totally. Now let's, 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 let's talk about you for a bit because not mm-hmm. only did you create a series, you're, you're, you're an actress yourself. What are what are some noteworthy films that you've been in and that you know were some of the best parts that you feel like you've you've created your work from also too? Oh man, um, yeah, I've been I've been pretty lucky. Although I would I would say really I'd be shocked if anybody knew anything that I was in. Um, although recently I did 
I am in um, season three of, of Kim's Convenience. If you look close, you can catch me in, um, in an episode of, of Kim's in season three. And I mean, that was an experience that I hold super close to my heart just because everyone on that show is such an, uh, a generous person. Like just to give you an idea, when you, when you come on um, a series to do like a guest, a guest spot or to do a role where you're just in one episode, you never really know what you're going to get, like from an acting perspective, because you're really the new kid on the block, right? So you're coming in and, and the regular cast has been there for, you know, in the case of, of Kim's three seasons worth of episodes, right? And so it can kind of be a weird experience where you're like, oh God, I feel like the new kid at school, like this is so weird. Um, and, and I had the absolute opposite experience on Kim's Convenience. Every single member um, of the cast who I worked with and had scenes with was just so lovely and so generous and um, so funny. And, uh, and actually a project came out of that. Um, ben Boschman, who is a guy that plays Gerald on Kim's Convenience, he, he, uh, he and I had a, a, all my scenes were with Ben. And, um, and so I actually sent him Night Owl and he really loved it. I sent him early cuts because this was over a year ago. And then he sent me a feature script that he's really passionate about that he wants to produce. And so we're collaborating on that. So a lot of the time jobs come from other jobs and, um, and it's just so cool when you have an experience like that, where you can connect with people and, and then like, you never know what can happen, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. yeah. You gonna you gonna say something? <laughs> oh no no you go for it. All right, <laughs> it's all good. You can ask questions too if you want. Um, yeah, so you're a recipient of a Netflix Diverse Voices Award. What was your biggest takeaways on that accomplishment? Oh man, that was a super interesting experience. Um, that was really awesome. I'm so grateful uh, that I got to be a part of it. So basically, um, Netflix created this program called the Netflix Diverse Voices um, program at Banff World Media Festival. And mm -hmm. for those people who don't know what Banff is, it's kind of like TIFF or a big film festival like TIFF or Cannes or Sundance, um, but it's television focused. Um, so it's actually called the Banff World Media Festival, um, but it, it mainly focuses on television or that's been my experience. Um, but I was, it was the first time I got, I went to the festival, which takes place in Banff, Alberta, which is not too shabby of a location. They've got absolutely stunning mountains. Um, so it was a pleasure to go. And yeah, it was just a, it was just a program where they picked over, I think there were a hundred of us, or I might be wrong. There might've been 50. Um, and it was just an, an experience to get to go to this festival, the Banff World Media Festival, which is usually, I think it's quite expensive to buy a pass. So Netflix subsidizing our, um, the costs of, of all of us participating and just young creators, all of um, varying diverse backgrounds in many different ways, not just in terms of like race, color, creed, religion, but also gender, also um, able-bodiedness, like all kinds of diversity across the board, which I think is cool. And, um, and I just got to pitch and pitch to, to networks and producers and um, also just to take part in all of their talks and workshops. And it was really amazing. I got to say some of the standout um, conversations that I 
got to participate in and talks that I got to attend. Uh, Paul Feig did an amazing talk. Um, Paul Feig is the director of Bridesmaids and the creator of Freaks and Geeks. Um, he did the reboot of Ghostbusters. So huge talent and um, and a big heavyweight in the in the film and television industry. And and I was so surprised and impressed by like how candid he was. Um, as well as actually Bill Hader, um, hilarious actor. A lot of people know him yeah. from his work on SNL. Yeah. What's that? No, I said yeah. Oh yeah, Bill Hader. Yeah, he was in. Um, yeah. He was in. Uh, <laughs> he was in uh, it. It uh, the 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 two the two part the new the remake. Oh, is he really? I haven't seen it. I gotta watch it. What's wrong? You gotta get on that. You have all the time in the world. <laughs> I know. Now's the time. It is the time. Uh, and and yeah, so also he, he's he stars and is one of the creators of Barry, um, uh, which is a half hour series on HBO about a hitman, which sounds like a weird concept, but it's just fantastic. And um, and so his talk as well. It was I was so impressed by how down to earth his advice was because I find that a lot of the time, sometimes when people that are working at the very top of their game, really in any industry. Um, when they are interviewed publicly or they're asked about how they got to where they are or what that process was like. Um, in the case of Bill Hader, he was being interviewed and giving a talk about his experience creating Barry. Um, sometimes you'll get a lot of platitudes or people will like skirt the question or it's not even like they're deliberately skirting the question. It's just like, they don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, and Bill Hader did the absolute opposite. Like he gave such helpful advice and shared such helpful insight about what it was like to take network notes and collaborate with HBO and like how he came up with the idea and what his writing process is like and what his directing process is like. And he was just so impressive. I really appreciate when people will be candid about their experience, you know, mm -hmm. and actually like let you see behind the curtain a little bit of like how did how did Bill Hader get to where he is now? Because he's such a hugely successful guy. Um, and yeah, and so I learned that Bill Hader actually has always aspired to be a director and a creator and that acting was not his main goal, which I never knew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he sort of got into acting like accidentally, um, which is so funny because he's so good at it, right? No, but, no, no, uh, definitely finally, he, is. he is. Yeah, he's hilarious. But finally with the creation of Barry, like he's been able to get into directing and creating, which is cool. So with you, and especially in the, the times that we're in, because like, I feel like when you look at 2020, I, I feel like it's, it's, I always say this old cliche thing, it's time to put it in rice. I think that 2020, there's going to be maybe some high, like some high parts that are to come out. I know, you know, everybody's talking about sports coming back. Heck, I miss the movie theater. That's that's where I like to spend a lot of my time on the weekends, either Friday or Saturdays and things like that. So who knows if those are ever going to come back anytime soon, you know. But for you yourself, and I think when we look at with COVID-19, we look at the the world protest um, with, with the social injustice issues and things like that. Have, as you and your profession, how do you, how is it affecting you? And I know it's like a two to maybe three part question I just asked there. So I know you're going to probably flush that out the best you can, but how does it resolve back to you and how is it making you feel with everything with leading up to 2020? Yeah, I think that's a great question, but wait, I have to go back one step. What was that expression you used? Put it in rice? Yeah. You got to put it in rice. What does that mean? 
<laughs> so, okay, I, I'll sell, I'm going to sell myself here. It's say, for instance, in my in my past life, at one point in time, I used to work for Apple, and a lot of people when their phones or or their devices uh-huh. ever get wet, they put it in rice. They put it in the bag of rice, so the uh-huh. rice can exp- can take all the moisture from the device, even though you're still going to have the long-term effect of water corrosion that's going to exploit your device over time. So, yeah, a little fun talking point there for the listeners. Also I love too. that. Put it in <laughs> rice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that expression now. Yeah, you right. know what? Hey, you better put it in one of your scripts for one of your actors yeah. or actresses. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. You'll know. Everyone will know where I stole it from. <laughs> Rory Mitchell. Um, yeah, so, okay. That is a big question. Um, lots to unpack there. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I, I, I feel a number of different ways that are kind of conflicting about all that's been happening um, lately. I mean, the first thing that I feel from a personal perspective is really grateful to be Canadian. Yep. Um, but then at the same time, I think that our attitudes as Canadians are like, we like to think that we're like, oh, well, like at least we, we don't have those problems here when we see the stuff going on in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's not a good attitude. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do have issues with systemic racism and interpersonal racism that absolutely need some major acknowledgement. And um, I really hope that this moment in history is going to spark a lot of positive change, um, both in Canada and and in the US and, and all over the world. Um, you know, like I was so blown away. I think I was watching, I think it was, I think it was The Daily Show or a clip of Trevor Noah and he was like showing um, this beautiful mural that was painted in George Floyd's honor that was like in Syria, you know, like mm-hmm, it's, this mm-hmm. is a global, this is affecting people all over the world. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous that people in general are becoming very polarized, um, particularly in the States that, that the right is, getting further and further right and the left is getting further and further left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that, and that in, in the course of that happening, that people are less and less able to have conversations with one another. Why do you think that? And, well, um, I'm not trying to, I should say this too. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. There's not, there's not an agenda no, behind this. No, I think that. it's just um, with the current climate. But, why do I think that that means they can't have conversations? Mm-hmm. Well, I just think that when when people are so polarized that they can't listen to one another, that they feel like so alienated by the other side of the equation or the, I say in quotes, if you can see me, in quotes, other, you know, um, that the other opinion, the one that differs from theirs is like so far away from what they think or feel mm-hmm. that they just can't understand it at all, right? Exactly. Then it's very hard to have people um, resolve issues because really like just like from a philosophical standpoint, one of the only ways, the peaceful means that we have to create solution and resolution and come up with positive solutions that are actually going to shift mm-hmm 
the conversation and deal with the, the underlying issues, you know. Um, but we, we can't, the only means we have to do that is conversation, right? 100%, absolutely. If we can't peacefully talk to each other, like, how do we progress? Yeah. And so I think, like, specifically just in, in the States, like, the, the extreme polarization of, of um, that's going on there politically, I just hope that they can come back to having conversations because it's like when people get so polarized, how do you have the right conversations? Yeah. You know, um, and how do you how do you make them understand the issue, or what is at the heart of like of like helping them to understand the issue? Like, for example, one thing that that would be like a, a very or an issue that's contentious in the states where people are so polarized would be like the second amendment gun control, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have some people that are so convinced that of their right to bear arms or whatever, that they can't have the conversation about getting rid of like really, really dangerous weapons um, that are really not necessary in public life, exactly, you know, exactly. Um, or in normal life. Like, why do we need to have assault rifles? Like, I, you know, why do we need? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Like, that's just, that seems really unreasonable when, like, for example, in the U.S., like, the number of school shootings is, like, just off the charts, exactly. right? It's, it's exactly. obviously connected to them having this Second Amendment right that has allowed people to own guns, like, nowhere else on Earth, basically. Like, I, I can't think of another country that has um, gun ownership policies like like they do in the states, so that would that would be like an example, not to get too deep um, or bore people with, you know. No, but I think um, at the for the current climate, I think these are the these are the conversations now. Like, even as a 
I kind of I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off a lot of things he says. Like even as a podcaster myself, I, th- I think that these conversations like this need to happen between you know two level headed people that are both going to be able to understand, not necessarily challenge each other about what the other person is saying, but to build the content around so when people are listening, they can see best of both worlds. They can see both sides. You know what I mean? Because yeah, a lot exactly. of a lot of the points that you just made is it, I. I I agree. I agree to a lot of them, especially with the with the gun control in the U.S. and stuff like that. And they need to really revise that 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 law um, because I think that once you can do that, you can eradicate a lot of the other issues that are going on. To then exactly. go to what what we're seeing with the George Floyd situation and Breonna Taylor and all that, and 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 somebody of myself based on the color of my skin being black. I get it, you know, and and I'm I, I I applaud you that a lot of people don't really understand about the systemic racism. It's out there, you know, and I oh, think that it's so out there, and yeah. it's, it's also very baked into a lot of institutions. Um, so deeply, it's so deeply embedded that we really do need to, and this is what I mean by having the having the right conversations, like exactly. that. If we're going to be able to address these issues that we actually have to acknowledge, we have to agree on some things, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we have to agree, for example, to address, say, a problem like systemic racism. We all have to agree. And when I say we, I mean, speaking in reference to, say, George Floyd, I really mean not me, I guess, I because I'm not American. I really mean, like, Americans as a society, they have to agree that there is a problem, you know, that a exactly. problem does exist, Right. Um, and the majority has to agree that, yep, a problem does exist and we need to, with systemic racism, and we need to address it collectively and we need to research what those solutions could possibly be and figure out what the best one is. Um, but that's why the polarization of people's views scares me so much, right? Is because the answer is so rarely ever um, cut and dry. It's so rarely ever black or white. And I mean that with no pun intended, you know, it's often shades of gray. Um, and to come off with nuanced solutions. And I do think that's what we need to do in order to address very complex problems. You know, we need more than just simple solutions, Mm -hmm. but we got to have conversations to make that happen. Like I, I, when I see what's going on in the States, you know, I'm like, how do we actually get in the mind of a person who harbors deeply racist beliefs? You know, how do we actually go about changing their mind? Um, you know, in the case of like of police, it's like if there are racist cops out there, which we know there are, you know, how do we how do we heal that? How do we actually change their minds Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i guess i guess that's the question for me that's really paramount to resolving this issue is like how do we actually get to the bottom of their of their prejudice of their discriminatory behavior and and prevent it before it starts but in order to to do that how do we I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just very like, cause, cause when I see this, it, to me, it is so incredibly senseless um, to, to judge a person based on the color of their skin. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like we all bleed the same color by that. I don't mean that's not, I hope that doesn't get misinterpreted as like a, uh, 
I don't see color kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm, mean that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just mean like the amount we all have in common so far outweighs what we what we um what we don't and that main thing being that we are all human beings, you no, know. Exactly. Exactly. But it's like how do we actually get into the mind of someone who may harbor genuinely racist beliefs and even worse may harbor racist beliefs and then be in a position of power, like be a police officer, you know, how do we get into their minds? Um, I think and actually that uh, change sorry. their minds. I think with that think type of that. that situation, I think what you have to do and what you have to consider, and there's many different talking points. I think that, you know, we can come from with this is maybe have a psychological test, maybe have, like we have lie detector tests for bad criminals. Why not have that and restructure how it takes you, what, six months to basically get a gun and a badge in the, in the United States of America? But in Canada, it takes longer. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I, think, I, think, I think a huge issue in the States and I think in Canada as well is like, um, police training and a lack of police training exactly, and certainly a lack of police training when it comes to things like dealing with people with mental health issues. Um, and, and that is glaringly obvious, but at the same time, I feel like, um, I feel like it's such a different conversation. Like, like for example, just not to harp on this, but just to go back to like the second amendment thing where it's like, having the conversation of defunding the police in the States where that is a very different conversation than the one that we would have about it in Canada, mm -hmm. you know, because, because, um, in the States, like the population is armed to the teeth, like they're, they're armed. Um, and I'm, I'm laughing, not because I think it's funny, but because it's, it's, it's just very absurd even just to say those words. Right. But it's the reality. Um, whereas in Canada, I think it's a little bit of a, it's a different conversation. It, it arguably is an easier conversation to have in terms of the idea of defunding the police or what that might mean or how we might better um, deploy people that actually have a specialty in something like addiction or mental health yeah. Yeah. to to work with police officers. And I think working with them would be super helpful, you know, um, in training them or in leading calls where you know, there is a person with a mental health issue or with an addiction issue or what have you. Um, but I, but I do think that, you know, and, and I, this is nothing new, but like the conversations are being had. And I think that's so important. And I think having representations of diversity in leadership positions, um, like not just purely in numbers. And I think that that's a big thing in the film and television industry. You know, it's just, it's not just about like having, diversity in the PAs that are hired, you know, it's about having diversity in leadership positions as well. Um, so that we see people like network executives or producers or directors or owners of production companies or owners of distribution companies, um, that are in real positions of power to make change and that those people represent diversity. Exactly. Exactly. You see, you know? it's so well said. And I think that you know, another thing that to kind of piggyback off your argument is, you know, maybe when they do these interview process processes is put people or put divisions of different males and females of different ethnicities in front of just to see 
Because when you do a psychological test, just to see the bite back that you will get, because I think if somebody is truly racist, it's going to show. You can't hide that. They're going to get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? They're going to get uncomfortable just by who's sitting in front of them. And they're going to, you know, their body language is going to change. And I think that's kind of how you'll be able to to really understand, you know, the, what we're dealing with, you know, because it, it's, a, it's a problem, you know. And it's like, I even look at some of the content that I'm seeing now, like, it, everything's being everything's being documented now. Everything is being recorded. Like, you can't get away from it, you know, and, and people are just rolling the camera phones, rolling the cameras on their phone to really produce and say, hey, listen, guys, it's out here and it's real. And you know what? We're going to continue to keep doing this until there's a change, you know? But I yeah. think, and I, and I think with what a lot that we see going on and something that, you know, we, we're, both, we're both here from Canada and I've been seeing this a lot where... A lot of people are saying a lot of this protest movement, a lot of the Black Lives Matter or BLM is a political stance. It's political for November when it comes up. That's what this is all about. It's about getting more people of different ethnicities, black, whoever, to go out there and vote and and, and, and be able to have their voice and their say in change in the communities and, and, and the presidency and things like that. And it's it's quite, for me, it's quite where I say is, why are we making this about politics now? It was never about that. And I feel like where a lot of people get confu- just confusion is once one person hears one thing, they want to run towards that. It's like, well, okay, if it's, pro- if it's political, that means this is all political. And, and I see it on social media and especially just like of the person that I am and how I have to engage in social media and some of the conversations I don't get into because it's just – it really just doesn't even make sense because yeah. <laughs> you, you can't, it's like having a debate between apples and oranges. Yes, they're fruit, but they're two different things. It, exactly. You can't, and, and yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't really get to the root of the source that people that don't are stuck in their ways and are, cho- and by choice, they're conditioned by choice, always feel that they're, they have the right of way or what they're saying is right, you know, and things like that. Yeah. It, it's really, um, you know, really, uh, the, I'm going to say this thing, and, and maybe it's totally the wrong thing, but this phrase keeps running through my mind lately, um, and I don't, I don't really know why, but it, it keeps running through my head, which is just, united we stand, divided we fall, you know? And I do think that we've got to find a way, like as cheesy as it sounds, but we've got to find a way to bring people together on this, because no matter how we're divided, whether those dividing lines are are based on race, color, creed, religion, or socioeconomics, or right or left, or Republican or Democrat, or liberal or conservative, or rich or poor, um, you know, it 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 divides us. And the thing about that is that it just doesn't work. You know, divided we do fall. We do have to find a way to get everybody on the same page. And I do agree with you that like the idea of Black Lives Matter shouldn't be political. We should all have the same access to the safety and freedom that our, quote, free society provides, right? That should not be differentiated based on race. You should not feel less safe in your community as a Black person um, than you do as a white person, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. That's not okay. And that shouldn't be political. That should be basic, 
Yeah, it should be one hundred percent. No, but it's but it's not, and and that's 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 kind of exactly what you're talking about when you when you say when you talk about social media. You know, I just oh man, I think that we are living in this culture, and this is another thing that really scares me, and it kind of plays into I think why people are getting so polarized about things is because we're getting a lot of our news facts information through social media. And instead of, you know, previous to social media where we might have read an article and then in the newspaper, and then we would have thought about it or we would have, if it was, if we disagreed or we agreed strongly, we would discuss it with a friend or ask them if they've read it or whatever you know, now we have social media where there's, there's no time to reflect, you know, people are just posting, um, immediately, um, before they've had the chance to fully maybe digest something or understand something. And, you know, in some ways that can be good, but I think in other ways it can be really harmful. Um, and I see a lot of people criticizing one another on social media um, criticizing one another for, for everything under the sun. Like, and, and with this, I'm not just talking about black lives matter at all. It's just, there's a lot of criticism, um, of people just getting, getting at each other for things that are just taking attention away from, I think what are really important issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm trying to use like my social media outlets and platform um, to share information that I think is helpful yep. um, and to avoid sharing information that I think um, is, if I'm not absolutely sure that the information's been well-researched um, or if I think that it would be traumatic to someone, like I, I don't want to share like anything that's like torture porn, you know, just because yeah. like I don't want to tr trigger anybody or whatever. But, like, but I think that like, I, I'm trying to kind of stay off social media, to be honest, mm -hmm. as much as I can, um, which is hard when you are promoting exactly. a show, you exactly. know, when you release a show um, and you're trying to promote it, not just to put the show out there, but also because you want people to donate to these really great causes. Um, but I'm trying to kind of stay off it um, insofar as I just find as well, like reading information and like actually learning about something. I'm so, I'm so analog. Mm -hmm. um, I love to read an actual book. You know, I find it easier to read an article in like a hard copy magazine than I do online. And so I'm trying to like actually take this opportunity to educate myself in a real way rather than, rather than reading like infographics on on Instagram or whatever. Cause I'm like, again, it comes down to how do we, how do we get the message across? How do we actually like for someone who, like you were saying, like, how do you, how do you tell before you hire someone in a, in a, in a policing institution, if they harbor racist beliefs, um, is there a way that we could tell, but then also to go a step further and build on what you said, you know, like, how do we, how do we then rehabilitate those beliefs? Is it possible? Is it possible to change their mind? And I have to believe that it is because I think that a lot of discriminatory beliefs that people may hold are fear-based and yeah. totally irrational. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it, you know, there's a chance that if we can somehow rehabilitate them and educate them, I think that's the answer to changing, to changing their minds. Oh, 
and it's well said, you know, and I think that just in that little, that little piece there, you know, as, as, as your profession, it is a lot to unpack and it's a lot to really digest. And I think that, you know, what I would like, and I think that we're probably going to see it with everywhere we go, whatever profession you're, what you're, that you're in, these conversations are going to come up. And I think that, you know, a lot of, I got in a conversation just, just kind of with a higher up and they said something that made a lot of good, they made it, that made a lot of great sense. And it was, we can't just go out there and just massage it in to eradicate change. We can't just say, okay, we're going to put a whole bunch of diverse people into one part in our, in our, in our realm and think everything's going to happen overnight and everything's going to be good because that can now look at you in a different way where people are going to be like, well, are you just now taking this full initiative because of the current climate before actually knowing the steps to get to, you know what I mean? And, and I think that, Uh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. And I think that with, with all of us as, as creators, the best way to do it, and and I and I and I I'm starting to see it a lot more, just by the content that I watch from other people on TV. These conversations are coming up, and a lot of people are like, "What can they do?" It's not it's not how we do it; it's what can. That's what it all comes down to. That's the that's the big underlying word is what. What can we do to spearhead change? What can we do to to have these conversations on a greater scale? Do we need to have more, and this is where I'm going to give you the plug, do we need to have more writers or producers, you know, maybe voluntarily say, hey, listen, I want to create content around the systemic racism, you know, and really take deep dives like that because then you have a full body of work where you can be like, all right, this is what I'm going to present now to people and this is what they're either going to, they're either going to accept it and, and, and continue to support me or they're not. And that's when you kind of will see who really is in it for all the right reasons and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the way that we as creators tackle this is first of all, by doing our best to give voice to the voiceless and to, like I said, um, take, diverse people and put them in, in, in positions of power, um, so that they can start to make decisions. Um, because, because, you know, the film and television industry, not like a lot of other industries is, is very monolithic, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of really powerful people who get to make decisions about what it is that we watch and what it is that we see and what gets created, right? What shows get greenlit or what movies get greenlit. Um, but I do think that we're on, we are, I'm very positive. I'm actually very optimistic about us in the film and television industry being on track to, um, to get there because we are starting to see, um, that change happen. And I think that there are a lot of people in our industry who, who, um, who are in positions of leadership that can help to lead the charge. But yeah, it's also like, what can we do on the level of the stories we tell? Absolutely. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I, I always think of one of my favorite movies uh, is Zootopia, the animated film. Um, for those who haven't seen it, have you seen Zootopia? No, I have not. I haven't got a chance to. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. It's awesome. Um, but one of the coolest things, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a movie for kids, right? It's an animated movie. Um, but it's an allegory for racism and police brutality in America. And I think what's so amazing and incredible and inspiring to me about Zootopia is that you know, you can imagine that that movie that parents are going to put on to like babysit their kids right now, let's say in the pandemic when parents are working from home and they're just trying to get some peace and quiet so they can get their work done or send that email and they put their kids in front of Zootopia. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's a parent out there who puts Zootopia on and that parent, maybe they harbor some kind of discriminatory beliefs or racist beliefs when they sit their kid down in front of that movie, their kid is learning a lesson that they might not otherwise be taught from that parent, you know? And if our art can break through like that, um, and if we can use kind of the, um, if we can use lies to tell the truth, and by that I mean just using our made-up stories to tell universal truths and to teach, um, then that's a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's why all I, that's certainly why I got into this business and why I'm so passionate about what I do. And that's what keeps me going in those dark moments is just knowing that there is an opportunity to tell stories that can teach and teach someone without making them feel like they're being taught, you know, just by entertaining them. And I think that's the key is how do you wrap up a really powerful message? Um, let's say it is about systemic racism or police brutality 
um, the way Zootopia is. How do you how do you wrap that up in a bow that on the outside just looks like a really entertaining movie, but underneath that un- and underscoring it is this very powerful message and lesson that teaches you so stealthily that you don't even realize you're learning a lesson. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think with with a lot of movies that we watch, there's always always a hidden message behind it and it may not be in front of your face but that's the reason why i'm a big fan of thrillers because thrillers make you think it's not about this is scary parts and the jump scares and things like that but a lot of it are really teachable aspects that portray back to life you know and, and I, get out yeah and that's, get out yeah jordan Peele's get out i mean it's such an incredible film yeah um that kind of that can kind of go hand in hand with a lot of what's somewhat kind of going on in the world a little bit with the division and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I just hope that on the whole, we can all use our whatever position or platform that we can either create or have existing already um, to make positive changes. And I know that I don't want to sound like, you know, a friggin' beauty queen right now being like, well, world peace, but, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but like, I think that ultimately there are a lot of things right now that are broken and that this pandemic has been a fast track to revealing a lot of those things. Exactly. And that we are at the precipice of a big moment where we need to decide, are we going to let these issues divide us? Or are we going to find a way to unite on the right side of history? And I really hope that for people that, um, that maybe don't understand what's going on in the world or maybe confused by the black lives matter movement or confused by people protesting or, um, or they don't feel like they understand the conversation or they're freaked out about participating in the conversation that, that they, they start to do some reading and, and start to educate themselves a little bit and that they can, they can feel more comfortable in participating um, by way of doing that. And, and, uh, and that a lot of good can come from that. And I, and I think there are a lot of people who are, who are using this to educate themselves and who are realizing that a problem that maybe had never been brought to their attention is now being brought to their attention. And for that reason, I I do remain very, very hopeful that we can, we can affect some seriously positive change. That's Mm -hmm. long, long overdue, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. As we're winding it down, right, and we're we're gonna bring the show to a close. I want to bring it back to you know your your professional career and things like that a little bit more. And I think always with me when I when I have you know um, inspiring guests and things like that that have been in certain offices that I may have not got a chance to be in, I always like to ask certain questions as far as um, who are some of the most impactful people that you've had a chance to work with that maybe a lot of people don't know really about you speaking about it, you know, in podcasts or in written interviews and things like that, that, that have helped shape your, your career, the way it's looking right now. Some of the most impactful people will certainly Janet Pearson, who I feel like I owe so much to um, Janet Pearson is the head of the South by Southwest film festival. Um, and she has been for the last decade, I believe. I believe it's been a decade. Um, could be wrong about that. 
<laughs> That's the problem. We're not, we're, not, we're not here to fact check it, but you know. <laughs> if you're wrong, it's permanently there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think she's been the head of South by for about a decade. And um, Janet Pearson is one of those people in the industry who really is in a position of power and is willing to use that power to bring new voices into the fold. Um, you know, the fact that we got into South by Southwest opened up so many opportunities for Night Owl. Um, and for me personally, for the project, um, and that level of exposure at, at a top tier festival really is a game changer for a filmmaker. Um, and so it's people like that and their willingness to actually take a chance on, on young filmmakers and creators and people that are at the beginning of their career um, that that really make all the difference. And so I would say that that certainly is someone who who has has changed the game for me and that I'm just so, so grateful to um, and that I, that I aspire, I aspire to be more like, um, and I'd also say just like some of the people that, I mean, I think my answer here is going to be really disappointing, but I think that the most inspiring person who's had the greatest impact on who I am professionally is really my, my mom and my grandma. Um, my grandmother is paraplegic. She's been in a wheelchair for 30 years. She got spinal cancer, um, in her thirties and, um, and basically was given two choices. You can live, but you're going to have to have a surgery that will mean you probably will never walk again, or you're probably going to die. Um, pretty gruesome choices, but she, she, she persevered and, and, she took that opportunity to make the most out of every single moment. That's something, an expression my grandma always says is make the most, make the most of every moment. Um, and she has just experienced so much adversity in so many different ways and has more tenacity than anybody that I've ever met. And, and I think that that's really taught me the greatest lesson in terms of my professional career um, is that, no matter what kind of curveballs are thrown at you or no matter how beaten down you may feel or how much rejection or failure you may experience, that rejection and failure is really the only guaranteed part of success, sadly. <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that um, you've just got to keep going. And that's kind of the difference between the people who succeed and the people who fail um, is how fast can you get back up when you're knocked down? And, um, and so I'd say that really the people that have influenced me the most in terms of like my career and, and what I'm doing aren't necessarily people in the industry, although there, I've worked with so many incredible people, um, but also my family more so, you know, because, because I, I, I really do think that the tenacity, um, that my, that my mom and my grandma possess is really the only reason that I've been able to keep going and make it through those hard times and just get back up with, without kind of giving up, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. got to dust yourself off and, exactly. and keep fighting. Um, it did that totally skirt your question. I'm sorry if it did. No, it didn't. I don't, I don't feel it did. I think that it shows um, tranquility in character building and vulnerability and appreciation that, you're still going on and continuing to do all the great work that you're doing. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like, you know, the last thing I'll say is just that, like, I think we're all on a learning path and, um, and that the most important thing is to, is to be humble 
you know, unquote, unquote Kendrick Lamar, but he did say it best. We've got all got to stay humble. And really the reason for that is, is because that humility allows us to learn, you know, and that's how we get into a state of learning is by, you know, being in a state of not knowing as soon as we start to think that we know everything, um, that's an immediate red flag. That's an immediate sign that we're off track. That's an immediate sign that our views are out of whack with reality. And I think the more that we can stay in a state of learning, that's really important. I think that's probably really important as well when it comes to exactly what we were talking about earlier and, and, and the black lives matter movement and people that, um, white people who, who maybe are confused or they don't understand or they're on the fence or they don't know what to do. I think that the best thing they could do is just be in a position of learning and listening. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one last question that I have to give to the creator yeah. yourself to make you kind of close the show out on a more fun note. Also <laughs> yes. not saying that I'm saying we had fun, but there's a lot. Like I feel like there's so much that, that was really talked about. And I, and again, I, I appreciate your time for, for coming on the show is of course. If you could produce, direct, write the best-selling movie of all time, who are the four people you would love to work with? They can be either male actors or female actors. They have to be actors? Yep. Okay. Oh, man, that's tough. Oh, I I like putting people on the spot, especially when it comes to this podcast. (laughs) All right, all right. They have to be actors. Um... Okay. Oh, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go off script here. Yeah. They can be actors, actresses, or directors themselves. You could you could do a co-collaboration. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, okay. Uh one person that checks almost all those boxes, um, I guess aside from actress, is is Donald Glover, who I who I love and respect so so much. Um, I absolutely love Atlanta. I think it's just one of the best shows on television um, in the last number of years. And I think it's so cool that he basically can do everything and do it so well from music to acting, directing, creating, show running. Um, And he's funny, but he can do drama. He can do it all. So I feel like even just getting to spend like a day on set with Donald Glover, you would learn so much from him. Um, So he's for sure one. Uh, oh gosh. Okay. Who else? Uh, Greta Gerwig. I really love Greta Gerwig. Um, I loved, I loved little women. I, you know, started reading that book when I was seven or eight years old and I've read it many times since. So I definitely loved her rendition of little women and and I really respect Greta Gerwig, um, and, and the work that she's doing and who else? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I would collaborate with, um, you are stumping me. This is so tough. There are so many. Like, I know. It's just I know. It's a curveball question. Trust me. Who are some of yours? If I was like, are we talking about podcasting? Or are we talking about like directing a movie myself? Okay. Well, both. Now that you say it. Oh, look at me. See, see what we just did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would think. I think there's there's some minds that I would love to get into. Uh, one being Denzel Washington. That's that's just a, a remarkable actor. That's great at all facets. Um, I would say Denzel Washington, Johnny Depp, uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, 
those are conversations I would love to get into because those guys have heavy like heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> um, and you know what? I think when if I was ever gonna do a movie itself, mindset, my my myself, I can't even speak now. I'm getting tripped up over my words. Um, <laughs> maybe playing a role of some sort of maybe podcast or some sort of an announcer or something like that. You know, so uh, I think it would it would be something maybe a little different. Kind of challenges me to really see what it's like to be either on a on a smaller platform, bigger platform, things like that, and. You know, maybe have those conversations. Heck, how do you know? Maybe I do a little interview with one of those actors inside a movie. You know what I mean? So that would be great. You never know. You never really know. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Yeah, you can't go wrong with the heavy hitters. I actually just watched Remember the Titans the other day, which is on uh, currently on Disney Plus. For anybody that is a fan of Remember the Titans, it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. Um, Anyway, yeah. I think also, I mean, in terms of, in terms of people that I would just love to work with, I think a lot of actors would absolutely love to work with um, Meryl Streep, Denzel Washington, Robert De Niro, anybody of that, of that era of yeah. actors, I think, yeah. who are just so strong and so cool. Also, like, um, in terms of people that, Brad Pitt is another one. Like, absolutely. I think Brad Pitt, although he's, a great actor. I love his acting. I think he's also such a cool producer. Um, his company plan B entertainment, um, produced moonlight, uh, produced so many, has produced so many cool movies in the past decade. Um, that I, that I respect so, so much. So he would be, he would be another person that would be on that list just cause I think he and, um, and, and the person who runs his production company, who was Dee Gardner, I believe still is a woman named Dee Gardner, mm-hmm. just so smart and cool. And they just, they just pick scripts so, so well. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I think that Brad would definitely, definitely be someone that, that would be really interesting to collaborate with for sure. No, no, definitely. definitely. Well, Rebecca, it's been, it's been a great episode. You know, refreshing. It it was it was something that I felt like captures a whole bunch of messages. Uh, it tells a little bit about Night Owl. Speaks a little bit about what's going on in the world right now. And you know, we just need to have a lot more. I think, in, especially in these times, for for the rest of twenty twenty, as we're as we're heading into July, is or should I say, we are going to be in July because once this comes out. Um, you know, we just have to just keep doing our due diligence, educating the the people that are around us, you know, have those uh, vulnerable conversations, and more importantly, love, peace, and prosperity to everybody that's around the world. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, and you know what, I think that, like, um, for people that are nervous or scared to have those conversations, I think that that means you got to run toward the fear, because having them is, is the first step to, to not being afraid and people are going to misstep and, and, and mistakes will be made. And I think that that's just part of the journey and we can't like get caught up in, in canceling them or call out culture, or cancel culture, whatever. We've just got to kind of help to educate them along the journey. I know that I, there's so much more for me to learn um, more broadly and that I really just hope that we can take this moment this crazy year in 2020. <laughs> Remember when people said like, Oh my God, I can't wait for this year to end in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Lol to that. 2020 takes the cake. Yeah. In terms 2020 has been, been something I've never experienced this. I don't think anybody has experienced anything like this, especially on 
the rapid pace of of just how this year kicked off. But I, like I said, that's another topic for another day. I just I always found it strange, just even how the year, even how like the year ended and how we transitioned and went into twenty twenty. It just it felt like it was just it was just going to be a long long year. But yeah. you know, if you're a creator or you're you're somebody that's actually you know, building your, your brand, your platform, producer, director, podcaster, you name it, you know, this is the time that we, we can reflect and even, you know, when the world was slow, but still be able to maneuver and pivot the way we need to, to, to even build more quality content in what we're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Just taking every opportunity to level up, even when it seems like the world is kind of falling apart. I think you're right. Like that's the moment to reflect and take in as much, as many learning opportunities as you can to just level up so that the work that comes, comes out of the other side is, is, is only getting better and better and better. You know? Absolutely. So real quick, like I like to do, give back to my guests. Where can the audience, new listeners, existing listeners, Mitchell Porter Leach podcast, be able to get familiar with your work and uh, be able to support Night Owl and, you know, possibly even connect with you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So for Night Owl, it's available worldwide for pay what you can at nightowl.vhx.tv. That's the URL. And in terms of connecting with me on social media, I think I'm at Rebecca Miskin on all platforms. My name, my first name spelled a little funny. It's R-E-B-E-K-A-H. And mm-hmm. uh, last name is M-I-S-K-I-N. So it's just at Rebecca Miskin. I think that's what I am on like Instagram and Twitter and everything pretty much. Um, TikTok, I think I'm just at Rebecca Miskin. So yeah, so <laughs> I, I look forward to connecting with any and all. And, um, and thank you so much for having me, Rory. This has been fantastic. And I'm so glad that I got to chat with you today. Yes, absolutely. Most definitely. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.